Bidzy Small Business Society number 168. You're listening to Bidzy Small Business Society. I'm Rob Barisoff. We talk to small business owners about what makes their small business successful. Connect with Bidzy Small Business Society at bidzy.com and grow your business. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers post projects for free in any of over 100 categories, including all types of home renovation, landscaping, cleaning services, photography, and many, many more. Now, if you're a business, Bidzy.com is a great way to find new customers because you are automatically notified each time a customer posts a project in your subscribed categories. So for example, let's say you own a roofing company and a customer posts a project in our roofing category. You are automatically notified via email or text and you can submit a bid at bidzy.com or use our internal chat system to introduce yourself to the customer and give them reasons why they should use you to complete their project. Monthly subscriptions start at $14.99. That's $14.99 per month for unlimited access to new customers and unlimited bidding at bidzy.com. Email rob at bidzy.com for more details or start your 30-day free trial now at bidzy.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bidzy Small Business Society. Today, I am talking to Michelle Spezia. Michelle is the founder and CEO of Bespoke Atelier, a company that transforms the way we organize and share visual content. Michelle and her team at Bespoke believe, and I quote, that ideas are a currency and through collaboration and the exchange of ideas, we can create a better world together, end quote. She's got quite the creative resume and I'm interested in learning more about how she's applying that creativity in her business. But first, big welcome, Michelle. Can you first tell us more about yourself personally than about what projects you're working on today? Absolutely. Um, thanks so much for having me today. So, um, a little bit about me personally. I think that uh, I think it's always really hard to kind of extract my business from my personal, especially when you're an entrepreneur, and even more so when your husband is the co-founder um, <laughs> in the two businesses that you run. So they're all kind of muddled up a little bit for me, but I'll, I'll give you the rundown. Um, so my name is Michelle, and yes, I am the founder and CEO of Bespoke. Um, I'm also the founder of a company called Films by Francesco, which is uh, an event cinematography company. And uh, again, my husband and I are co-founders in that business. We've been doing that for about 12 years now. Um, Bespoke is about three years young. I like to say it's in its toddler phase. We're kind of having our terrible twos. Um, (laughs) And then uh, we actually have a real-life human child, um, and his name is Ellis. He's almost 11 years old, and as I love to say, he's the real corporation in, uh, in my life. So um, I keep busy. I have an undergraduate degree in poetry, so strangely, I'm a writer by trade that kind of made my way through the hospitality industry, um, ended up running this film company with my husband, and now startup founder. So, I mean, go figure. I might be an astronaut next. We'll like wait and see what what happens. <laughs> awesome. Great story. So, I was going to say it looks like you enjoyed some success with that business, Films by Francesco. So, what did you see as an opportunity to instead launch Bespoke or it looks like you're doing both, you said, right? We are still doing both. Um, Films by Francesco is alive and well. Um, it's an it's an it's an amazing business. It's been a great ride. We work for incredible clients, um, but it's a service business, and 
in in that we work for a very high level niche clientele. So we don't work with a lot of clients a year. And I think for Francesco, my husband and I, um, two things happen. Number one, I think that we we realized the limitations of the service business that it was, you know, there's only so many hours in the day and so many clients that could afford our services. Um, so there was always a limit to kind of what our top line revenue could be for that business. So part of it had to do with, you know, finding a way to create something that could be scalable um, and repeatable, which were two words that I should have understood a lot long ago, long before I really learned them. Um, and so that's what kind of inspired us to build Bespoke. Um, my husband is definitely the idea guy and has always been, you know, two feet into the tech space. And I think when we when we started to think about what Bespoke could be, um, we had kind of missed the boat on the first web boom. And luckily on the subsequent crash, uh, we were living in Austin at that time during the, the late 99s and early 2000s. So we witnessed the whole kind of, you know, rise and fall um, of the first round of the web. And I think we were just a little bit too young and too green to take advantage of it. And so um, a few years ago, we looked at each other and said, you know, we, we're not going to watch that pass by again. And we saw, you know, this huge new wave of tech coming with mobile and the iPhone and the iPad. And we said, all right, let's jump on board and throw our hats in the ring and see what we can do. Awesome. And Michelle, I can hear the authenticity in your voice. And a lot of your content, I think, revolves around that authenticity. So talk about that message getting out there and people seeing your message through that authentic lens. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I, like I said, I'm a poet at heart, so I definitely wear my feelings on my sleeve <laughs> and, um, authenticity is a big thing for me. I mean, in filmmaking and especially when you're making event films, which is primarily what we do, you know, we're, we're in charge of, of creating the story and weaving the narrative of how people remember the most important moments of their lives. And so authenticity is a, is a must. Um, and so I think that's just a core value of mine. And so when I started Bespoke, I was actually lucky to come to the table without any business, you know, true like business school background. I'm not an MBA student um, or graduate. Uh, you know, I didn't come from the tech space. I'm not an engineer. So I think coming into the startup world from that place allowed me to be authentic and remain authentic. Um, I'm always a person that admits what I don't know when I don't know it. And, and um, I think a lot of the writing that I've tried to do and podcasts and things like this um, throughout my journey, I just try to be super honest with people because I think that I don't know that there's enough of that out there. You know, I think there's still too much of the like, my startup's killing it and we're doing great and blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah, okay. I'm sure you are killing it, but I'm sure there's 15 ways in which you're so challenged every day. And I think that it's so important to talk about those things, um, you know, to shed light on them, no matter how successful we are or aren't, um, to share those experiences. They're just as important as sharing all the lessons of how to succeed. Yep. Awesome. Great, great stuff. Yeah. And I urge everybody to take a closer look at that authentic message at uh, bespoke-app.com. Great stuff there. Now, you're having some success, but it likely wasn't always that way, Michelle. Tell us about your biggest challenge in business or otherwise, but what really sticks out in your mind is your biggest challenge. And here we're going to look for some of the actionable steps that you took to really embrace and overcome that challenge. Um, I, I think two things come to mind. I think that First of all, I don't come from a privileged background of any sort. If anything, my, my childhood was quite challenging. Um, I left home when I was 16 and moved to New York City to put myself through undergrad at NYU wow. and worked in, <laughs> worked in a restaurant, waiting tables full time um, just to get there. So, I mean, I've always, I've always been good at kind of being the underdog. Um, 
So, you know, I think that I, from a young age, I learned how to meet challenge and kind of stare it down. Even when I was scared, you know, my house scared as hell. I still was just like, okay, I can do this. Um, but I think the most challenging thing I've experienced in my 20 some odd years, um, as an entrepreneur is that I am in business with my husband and about seven years ago, um, on the eve of my 30th birthday, we owned a home in Florida. We were steeped in debt. Um, the housing crash was chasing our tails. Um, and I decided that I was living kind of this punch list that I had never stopped to think whether or not I really wanted or not. And we decided to get separated. So in the middle of having a three-year-old child, owning a successful film company, um, owning a home, I was like, you know what, I'm hitting the big red button and I'm out of here. Um, and so our marriage fell apart, our business fell apart. We lost our home. We subsequently moved to New York. Um, and I would say it was about two to three years worth of kind of trauma. I mean, it's, it's kind of a terrible phrase, but I like to call it our life enema. It was like everything <laughs> got put on the table and like everything was up for debate. And it took us five years, but we ended up getting back together, which I think is high. It's, that's not usually the end of that story, right? So not only did we get back, put our marriage back together, moved into a new apartment, you know, brought our son back into our lives, you know, as a, as a family unit, we continued to film weddings the entire time we were separated. And nothing is more brutal than having to stand at someone else's wedding every weekend of the year with your then ex-spouse. And just shooting ice daggers back oh, and forth man. amongst each other, right? <laughs> um, and that's when we built Bespoke while we were in this kind of transitional phase. So, I mean, that was absolutely hands down the most, um, trying and challenging experience I've ever had. And now that we've done it and been through it, you know, everything kind of in hindsight and, you know, everything has a perspective, you know, we have new challenges. I'm like, okay, well, this isn't, this isn't that bad. We can do this. Yeah. It sounds like you've been through it. So, I mean, obviously you're willing to meet those challenges like a broken bone, you know, it just sounds like it healed a lot stronger, right? Totally. Absolutely. Love it so much. No, great story. Great narrative. Hard for me to, uh, you know, add anything to that. I want to ask you this next. What are your rewards, Michelle? Why is it so great to be Michelle Spezia? <laughs> um, <laughs> some days I remind myself that, yes, it's great to be me. Um, I think that the rewards for me are that I have a lot of freedom. Um, entrepreneurship is not easy. Small business is not easy. Um, but I have an insane amount of control over how I spend my time and who I spend it with. So I think that, you know, someone smart, someone really smart in my life once told me work for time and not for money. And it took me a long time to figure out what the heck he was talking about. And now, um, I really understand that, that, you know, even though business isn't always great and there's always a long list of to-dos and a hearty list of challenges, you know, I can wake up every morning and, and decide how I want to spend my time. And I'm able to take my son to school and walk my dog in the middle of the day um, and sit around in my sweatpants if I so feel like it <laughs> um, and really work from anywhere on the planet. And those things have given me, you know, the greatest amount of satisfaction. Awesome. Location independence. Absolutely. Great quote. Work for time, not for money. Love it. Now, I want to ask you, what methods have been most effective in engaging with and growing your audience in both businesses, Michelle? And here, I want you to help the aspiring entrepreneur understand a few things about gaining some traction in a cluttered and noisy marketing and social media landscape. 
Yeah. Um, well, the interesting thing for us is that films by Francesco and Bespoke are on like 180 degrees apart when it comes to um, client base and marketing. So films by Francesco, we work with about 15 clients a year. A third of them are usually repeat clients. So we do a very, very small number of events for a super high-level clientele. So all of those people I'm finding via word of mouth, um, via event planners, and sometimes photographers. So that business has thrived completely and solely on building relationships and very tight, close-knit relationships. Um, people that most of the time I can like reach out and shake their hand. They're so close. Uh, building Bespoke has been a whole other ball game, and it really was a difficult thing for us to adjust to um, for a number of reasons. I mean, number one, it is really noisy and really crowded out there. And when you, if you look at the landscape and watch people who are funded with tens and sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars who are still tr struggling to figure out that same question, how do I market? How do I reach people? How do I get them to pay attention? Um, then you say to yourself, well, crap, you know, I'm this little tiny spec on the map bootstrap startup. Like, how am I ever going to do this? So, I mean, for us, we took a lot of those, in the beginning, those same approaches of we have to work hyper-local, we have to do the things that don't scale, whether it was hosting focus groups or meeting people on the street or, you know, whatever it took to connect with people one-on-one -on -one and get their feedback about our product and try to get them to support our product. Um, I think it's really difficult right now that a lot of users when they see your little pretty button on their phone or their iPad or even on their desktop, they don't see you, the human being, behind that. And so apps and platforms and products are, are much more disposable in a way. Um, people would never feel that way about me with films by Francesco because it's very apparent to them that Michelle and Francesco are the people that make up that product. And for Bespoke, I think that that's a lot um, – more challenging of a battle. And so for me, some of it goes back to that authenticity of, you know, when I am writing content uh, or putting out social media, I do constantly try to drive the message home that there are real people behind this product. And we built it for a reason because we believe in it and we care about the users that we have um, and trying to just nurture them one by one. And we've just always kind of stood by the fact that I'd rather have a thousand engaged interesting users who know something about us as a company than, you know, a hundred thousand who will press the button to download my app today and delete it tomorrow because they don't have any connection to us. Right. So you talked about writing, uh, for instance, your blog posts in, um, in an authentic voice to that hyper-engaged uh, audience, but in what other ways are you sort of adding that personal touch to the new business, to Bespoke? Um, I mean, I think with Bespoke, for us from day one, brand presence was a big deal. I mean, we are creatives, we're artists. And so if, if we knew we wanted to attract people like ourselves, our brand almost preceded our product. And that was, in, in a strange way, that's the difficult part for a lot of people in the startup and especially the tech space. For us, it was the easy part. Oh, build the brand, pick the logo, get the colors, like piece of cake. Um, so for us, you know, creating a brand identity that stood out was really important to us because we knew that that was one of the immediate ways that it would draw the right people toward us. Even if they didn't exactly understand what our product is or what it could do for them, they knew we spoke their language, so to speak. And that, you know, that really helped us at the very beginning. Yeah. So, and then they would find out what you do sooner or later. Absolutely. Now we're putting this message out there into the world. I want to ask you this, which social media platform will be most dominant in the next 12 to 24 months in your opinion and why? 
Oh, I feel like an old lady when I get this question because I'm like, all the kids are on Snapchat. I'm not on Snapchat, but um, all the kids are on Snapchat. (laughs) I I, I like to ask my 11 year old. I'm like, okay, so what do you think? Like, you know, where are you hanging out? That's a great Um, place to start, I think, with the 11 year olds. Yeah, it is. It's definitely the place to start. Um, Honestly, and if I start there, honestly, the answer is YouTube. And I think that and YouTube, you could say, is or isn't a social media platform. Um, but I think that we're in just such an amazing shift where all of the learning you want to do in the world can happen there and places like there um, where, you know, you're, you're seeing tutorials for things or connecting with people and seeing them visually. I mean, obviously, we're big on video because we've owned a film company for 12 years. So I think that any platform that supports video is going to be where it's at because images are great. Photos are great. They speak a thousand words, right? But watching a film or a video just immerses you in like the nuances of being human, which I just think other, other social media platforms don't necessarily accomplish as well. Yep, great stuff. And uh, again, I had a look at your videos earlier today in uh, preparation for our talk here. Yeah, great stuff. Just uh, again, I need to pump your tires here a little bit about uh, (laughs) what an expert you guys are in that video space. Great stuff. Now, let me ask you this. Which influencers do you follow online or otherwise for your own inspiration and motivation, Michelle? Um, So... I like to say that Simon Sinek is like my startup boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> he he's like he's my startup crush. Um, I've been following Simon Sinek and the whole start with why concept for a long time. Uh, I'm actually building a series of workshops that kind of were born out of the idea of start with why because I think it's so powerful. Uh, so he's definitely my favorite. There's uh, another woman named Christine Comerford, um, and she's kind of in a in a similar mind space. She does a lot on. Um, critter state versus smart state and really how to make teams work well together. Um, For me, my favorite thing to do and talk about is team culture and team dynamics and the way that people work together, which again goes back to the authenticity piece of like before you're a podcast guru and I'm a filmmaker and this guy down the street is a janitor, like we're all human beings. And at the core of it, there's so much more that makes us similar than different. Um, so I would say that those two are definitely two of my favorites that I follow along with. I haven't heard of Christine. I'll have to definitely look her up after yeah, this. Yeah, she's great. Let me ask you, I'm going to be shifting towards the end here. Um, forgive me for that. Next question is, do you love to win or hate to lose and why? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, um, I am a humble winner and a relatively sore loser. Um, and I think that that's because I am, I'm not a person that likes the spotlight. So when I do win, I'm proud of myself, but I, I really like, I'll thank my team first. Like I couldn't get here without the other people around me, the the kind of like, it takes a village situation. Um, but I'm happy for the win. And then I, I'm a relatively sore loser because I'm just, I'm super competitive. I've always been that way. Um, because I grew up as the kid who was always kind of good at most things I tried. So when I tried or did something that I couldn't accomplish, it really ticks me off. And uh, unfortunately, I passed that DNA right along to my son because he's the same exact way. So, yeah, um, I I don't like to lose because I feel like I let people down if I, quote unquote, lose. Um, And I let myself down. And I'm definitely a person that, that 
keeps high standards for myself and those around me. But then when I do cross the finish line first, I'm like, no, 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 I don't need all the applause. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, you got to have that winning mentality to take on uh, the Big Apple at the age of 16, huh? (laughs) That's it. That's it. Awesome. Now, what are you doing to wind down after a long or stressful day? Um, well, I, I turn into a pumpkin at 10 o'clock. Like I have a hard (laughs) stop at 10 o'clock. And again, those things, when I say them out loud, make me feel old. I get up at 445 every morning. Um, so for me, winding down at the end of a stressful day has more to do with making sure that I'm set up to wake up successfully the next morning. Like I'm a morning person. So if I can conquer like 445 to noon, then it's a good day. And so for me at the end of the night, I'm usually prepping lunch for my son the next day, you know, getting everybody showered and organized and doing housework because that just never ends. Even when you're a founder that doesn't stop the dishes and the, and the laundry. Um, I like Wheel of Fortune. I'm like a Wheel of Fortune addict because Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune are on back to back. So that's kind of like my guilty pleasure, my little like game show hour. Um, and then usually I will uh, lay in bed and read a book to my son before we both crash. And yes, my 11-year-old has the same bedtime as I do. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now boil this thing down for us, Michelle. What is the one thing you want to leave with our listeners today about expressing their unique insights and collaborating with others to move themselves, their businesses, and ultimately the world forward? Um. I'd like to leave with them two thoughts. Number one, it will never get easier. Certain things will get easier as other things get harder, but there will always be challenges. So don't fool yourself into thinking that like, oh, if I get to X spot in the road, this is going to be easy cheesy because I've been doing it for 20 years and I'm still not there. There's still always going to be challenges. So you have to just be ready uh, to kind of go with the flow in that way and meet whatever challenges are on your plate. Um, I think the second thing I would like to say is, again, an old lady adage that your mom probably told you just because everyone else is doing it. You know, if your friend told you they were jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge doesn't mean you have to as well. (laughs) Um, I think entrepreneurship is a buzzword right now. And that's exciting because there's opportunities today that just didn't exist when I was in college or, you know, starting my career. So there's a huge amount of opportunity there. But You have to do what feels right to you. Um, And not everybody is meant to be a founder or wants to be a founder. Being entrepreneurial doesn't necessarily mean owning your own business and doesn't mean it has to, you have to own your own business today. Um, It's perfectly cool to go out and try different things out and get experience. Um, So I would just say, do what feels right to you and kind of follow your own compass, regardless of what it seems like everybody else is doing. Michelle, I'm not going to ruin any of that with any of my mundane narrative. I'm just going to ask you the last question. If people want to learn more about you and your businesses, how can they find you? Um, So I'm definitely easy to find. Whether you go to bespoke-app.com or you go to filmsbyfrancesco.com, you can reach me uh, in both places by email. I also write uh, on Medium as uh, at Bespoke App, and that's our Twitter handle as well. So I'm pretty easy to find if you need to find me. Awesome. This has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. Michelle, you take care. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much. 
Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to Bidzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at Bidzy.com. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. Go to Bidzy.com for information and resources on how you can grow your business. Support Bidzy Small Business Society by writing a review and giving us a five-star rating in iTunes. Your positive review and five-star rating will allow us to continue bringing you free, valuable content from amazing and inspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Rate and review Bidzy Small Business Society today.